I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. My name is Madison, and I'm out here asking people what they believe. Do you believe that humans are inherently good or evil? I believe they're all good. I do. I, I believe that there is good and bad behavior across the moral spectrum, sure. Uh, I think good. Yeah, I believe in people, yeah. Uh, neither, particularly. No. No. They're not inherently either one. Okay. We're all infinite beings. We come here as creators. And if we create from a place of fear, then we can lead to immoral, immoral uh, actions. But if we create from a place of love, then morality is what we define that as. I think humans are inherently evil. Well, good morning. Welcome to Big Valley Grace. It's good to see you here this morning. Those of you who are checking in online, we're glad that you're listening, and we hope that you have your Bible, and we're going to, boy, we're going to dig into the Word here today. Uh, if you do have your Bible or your mobile device or whatever you're using here today, uh, and if you, don't, if you need a Bible, uh, we have a whole bunch right over there in the altar room, both in English and Spanish, both in small print and large print. So we got something for everybody today. We do want to make sure that everyone has the Word of God. And we're going to be in two significant passages of Scripture. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 and Ezekiel 28. So I encourage you to uh, dig into your Word, and we're going to just kind of open that up and explore it. So for those of you who are visiting today, we have been walking through what we call as our statement of faith. I think every church has one, or at least should have one. It's good for you to know where we stand on the scriptures and what we understand the Bible to teach. These are foundational principles, and there's 11 of them. We're going to be, I think we're in um, statement eight right now. We're going to talk about the existence of Satan and evil. And this is a huge, huge subject, and uh, we're going to have a good time going into God's Word and looking at what does the Bible say about the enemy of our soul, the adversary, the devil, what does he say about that? And all evil flows from him, and we're going to be exploring God's Word in just a, a moment. And I think it would be real appropriate for us to pray. This is something certainly the enemy would love for us to be blind. In fact, we're going to see that one of his things that he does is that he blinds us. He causes us not to be able to hear. He hardens our heart. Uh, it's almost like spiritual cataracts. And before we go into his word, I think it would be well for us to pray and to say, Lord, would you open my eyes to your word today? Lord, would you open my heart and speak to me today? Would you give me ears to hear you today? And so let's just reverently just go before the Lord. I'm just going to be quiet before you, but would you pray that prayer right now? And would you pray for me too? as we go into your word. Let's just pause for just a moment and would you pray 
and prepare our hearts. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's no other name but your name. Lord, you're the alpha, the omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're the wonderful counselor. You're the author of wisdom. You're the almighty God, the everlasting father. You're the prince of peace. It's you who give us freedom. You beckon us to come and to follow you. Thank you, your word encourages us. You're able to work all things out for great good to those who love you and call to your purposes. You're able to work out some of those terrible stories that we bear, some of the hurts that we have. You're able to work through our lives, through the failures and even our accomplishments, and you're able to work in such a way, Lord, that you receive all the honor and all the glory. It's you, Lord, who heals the brokenhearted. It's you who set people free. It's you, Lord, who opens eyes and opens hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask you to have your way with us today. As we, as we read your word, Lord, would you speak to us freshly today? Some of these passages will be familiar, but others will be new. And we want to hear mostly from you today. Would you speak to us here, Lord, today? And Lord, would you, uh, man, push back on the enemy in our lives and the ground that we have surrendered to him, that we might be wholly yours in every way. And so, Lord, we, we give you this moment that you would ordain it, you would anoint it for your glory. And Lord, I want to pray for our state too, man. We are at a, we're a boat that has lost its anchor and we are drifted badly. We pray, Lord, that you would raise up righteousness in our state, in our community, in our nation. That you would push back on the enemy and what he has attempted to do in destroying lives. Would you help us, Lord, to stand in that gap for your glory and for your grace and your power to work within all of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, 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 amen. One of the things I enjoy doing and encourage you to do that as we go through some of these scriptures, in fact, you should have a, a study sheet. If you don't have a study sheet, would you help, oh, raise your hand? Uh, it'll be really helpful for you to have one. We have ushers that are standing by ready to get. So just raise your hand up nice and high until one of the ushers come by. And this sheet will be very helpful to you, uh, not just this morning, but also when you take it home. That's really the intent, that you take it home and you would look up some of the passages of scripture and you would study it for yourself, you would underline it for yourself, and use your Bible that way. And there ought to be some verses that, boy, every Christian ought to have underlined, and this is one of them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul says that there's no temptation that you and I have ever undertaken that's not common to man. Can you hear praise the Lord on that? Aren't you glad? That what you are experiencing is not brand new. You're not the only one who's ever experienced it. That the things that you and I have faced are common to man. And then the next phrase, but God is faithful. That means the Lord our God is true to all of his promises. He will not let you down. He will carry you through. He has promised to never leave you, to never desert you. And as you walk through the journey of life, he is always there with you. And he's able to work all things out to those who love him, according to his purposes. So, wonderful promise. No temptation we ever face, it's not uncommon. It's common to man. And God is faithful. And he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able. Can I hear an amen to that? Aren't you, isn't that good to know? 
that the, the enemy's work in our life is restrained by God himself. And we're going to learn more about that a little bit today. But with every temptation, God will provide a way of escape so that we will be able to, what does it say? Endure it. There's sometimes we need to endure it. We'd love to escape it. We'd love to be set free from it. But there's times that God wants us to walk this path, to hang on to him as we go through that. That's a wonderful promise. And so I want to say this this morning as we go right into this incredible topic that you are not alone. Wherever you are at today, you are not alone. If you're visiting today, you are not alone. If you are feeling tempted, you are not alone. There are many in here that are wrestling with temptations and struggles today. You are not alone. Some of you are struggling with with, uh, real discouragement. You are not alone. Some of you have had some really challenging things that have happened in your life this last week. You are not alone. There is a, whatever story you have, there's another story here of someone who's walked with the Lord through those things. And we want to pray for you. We want to encourage you. We want to support you. That's why after every service in the altar room, we have men and women that are over there ready to pray with you and to support you. And and what that means is we come into the presence of God and we do what he says where we cast all of our cares upon him because he cares deeply for us. So as we go into this topic, if you think that the enemy is after you, you're not alone. He's after every one of us. He is a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. You are not alone. And we are here together to support one another, encourage one another, and to help one another. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, and so if you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Have your fingers in Ezekiel 28. We're going to get there. But in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says this, that the things that you and I wrestle with, what are they? The things that we struggle with are against the principalities, against the rulers, against the authorities in dark places, folks. We are in a spiritual battle, you and I. And he tells us this because he loves us. He wants us to be aware so that we would be alert and we would be sober about the things in life and knowing that the issues that you and I are facing between each other as a husband and wife in our businesses and our relationships and with our children that there's an enemy that wants to destroy us. And so the things that we wrestle with, the things that we struggle against, the things that we fight against, are, it's a spiritual battle. And in order to fight against the enemy and the schemes that he has, notice the word schemes, God has plans, wonderful plans for us, but the enemy has schemes. The word schemes means trickery. He has, he has ideas on how to fool you and how to trick you. So the schemes that he has against the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against principalities, against real forces, against the spiritual forces, wickedness, and heavenly places. And that because these things are true, in verse 13, we're to take up the full armor of God so that you and I will be able to, what does it say? Resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, that's what the Lord wants us to do, our feet firmly planted in him. So when the storms of life come, We may sway and bend, but we will not be moved from hanging on to Christ. And he tells us in verse 14 to stand firm, therefore, having girded our loins with truth. It's good to have the belt of truth around us. It keeps our pants up. Uh, We we put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, we take up the shield of faith with which we are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And we take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And when he says to put these things on, it doesn't mean you put it on for this moment, you take it off for that moment. You put it on, you wear it, and you keep it on. Because the spiritual battle is always around us. 
And then look what verse 18 says. After we are fully dressed and we are ready to go, we got the shield, we got the sword, we got the shoes on, got the helmet on, got the breastplate, got the belt on. What do we do? We pray. And look what it says in verse 18. With all prayer and petition, each of us are to pray at all times in the spirit. With this in view, we are to be alert, not asleep, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And we're to pray, Paul says, on my behalf and pray for me even here today. Notice how it says, with all prayer and petition, we pray at all times and we're to pray for all the saints. That's what we do here in the altar. We need to be praying for one another. Battle belongs to the Lord. And we find our strength and our help as we come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We give thanks and we bless his name and we wait upon him. And God, as we are fully dressed, is able to work in us and through us. That's, that's what he desires. And so as we study the nature of the enemy here today, I want to give you full assurance that we are all in a battle. The Lord has given us tools to be able to help us to stand firm. That is his desire. His desire is that we would resist the enemy. His desire is that we would not be defeated, but that we'd persevere. And we do that as we are fully dressed and as we pray for each other and as we pray together. So here's our statement of faith. So if you go through the membership class, we ask, have you read the statement of faith? Do you understand it? Do you agree to it? And so here's, here's principle or statement number eight. Let's go to principle number eight. It says, we believe that all angels, including Satan, all angels, every single one. In fact, there's nothing that was made that exists today, both small and great, that the Lord himself did not make, Colossians chapter one. We believe that all angels, including Satan, were created by God, and that Satan, through pride and sinful ambition, we're gonna look at that in Ezekiel 28 today, rebelled against God. He becomes the great adversary of God and his people, and these spirit beings, they possess supernatural powers. These are not weaklings. However, they are limited by the permissive will of God, and we'll see that in Job chapter one and two. And Satan, as a leader of evil angels and demons, was defeated and judged at the cross of Jesus Christ. There's a lot happening on that cross. Not only did he pay the price for our sin, but he conquered death and he conquered the enemy, Satan, who's the adversary of our soul. And there's a certain judgment that is awaiting him, and he knows that. All the demons know that. And the many encounters that Jesus has with the demons, one of the first things they come up, they run up to him and says, is this the time? Is this the time that you've come to judge us? They know it's coming. And they know that the judgment that is coming is gonna be final, it is gonna be terrible. You'll read about that in the book of Revelation. So he was defeated and he was judged at the cross of Jesus Christ and his final destination is everlasting punishment in the lake of fire and hell, which is never prepared for you and me. prepared for Satan and all those who have allegiance to him. Boy, come to Jesus. We're going to talk about the lies of the enemy. One of the lies of the enemy is a, uh, there really isn't a hell. There really isn't an eternal judgment. And the enemy loves to deceive the world to think that those things are, are true. Would you pray with me again as we go through and we're going to look at where Satan came from and some of these other details. Lord, again, I just ask for your help here today. Might teach your word accurately and well. But most importantly, Lord, that you would speak to us 
And I know, Lord, in an audience like this and those that would be online, that there might be some that you are bringing here today. There may be a prodigal that's amongst us here today that's been running away and their mother and dad has been praying earnestly, Lord, would, you, would this be the day that they'd surrender themselves fully to you? There might be some here today who are broken. Would this be a time, Lord, of healing and spiritual repair? Those who are distressed and downcast, like they've been living their life like a sheep without a shepherd, may this be a place that they might call home and feel, Lord, that they are once more embraced by you and carried by you in your arms. So, Lord, again, would you powerfully work, Holy Spirit, would you work in each of us here today for your glory in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, let's look at Ezekiel 28. There are two passages in the Old Testament that speak specifically about who Satan is and his identity before, um, before the fall of man. Uh, <clears throat> he was created, we're gonna see here in just a little bit, but these, you'll find that these two passages are significant. Exodus, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. The easy way to remember is that wherever you start in Isaiah, and Isaiah 14, just double it, Ezekiel 28. Or if you're in Ezekiel 28, just have it. It's, uh, Isaiah chapter 14. Both of them will talk a little bit differently, but put together a full picture. And you'll notice as you look at these passages of scripture that speaking of a, a particular individual, the king of Babylon or the king of Tyre, uh, it's interesting you, as you read 20, Ezekiel 27, 20, it gives you a fuller picture of what the Lord is talking about. But in these passages of scripture, starting in verse 11, something changes He's going to be, he, uh, there's a lot that changes. I don't have time to go through all those details, but as you read through it, you'll notice that the tone and the words are changed. I say, this, there must be something more going on than about a king who's full of pride and riches that God is going to display. So there's something else that's going on. So that, I'm preparing you as we read through this. There's some clues here to say, what in the world is, who is he talking about? This is not a human king. So, so looking at verse 11, starting at 28, verse 11. So again, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre. Earlier in 28, he's called a prince. Now he's called a king. Something's changing. And say now to him, thus says the Lord God. Now listen to this. You had the seal of perfection. What human being has the seal of perfection? What human being is full of wisdom and perfect in beauty? What human being was in the garden in Eden, the garden of God. And then look at this. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the lapis lazuli, the turquoise, the emerald, the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets. All these were in you. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. It had to be Satan or Lucifer, the star of the morning, had to be Spectacular. He says, you were the anointed chair, chapter 14, or verse 14, who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. This referring to the other angels. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until righteous, unrighteousness was found in you. And Isaiah 14 describes that unrighteousness. We'll touch on it here in just a moment. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. His sin was pride. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. He was the covering cherub. And I have destroyed you, covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Satan thought he was the most beautiful thing God had made, worthy of worship and praise. 
You corrupted your wisdom by reasoning your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. And we're going to just stop right there. Something more that he's talking about, right, than just a human being. He's talking, he's giving us clues as to the uh, Lucifer, the star of the morning, what he was like before he fell. So let's just talk about where did Satan come from? Well, number one, he was created by God. We can see that in verses 13 and 15. He was created by God. He is not God's equal. He's not everlasting. When we look at the nature of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we talked about this earlier, that there never was a time they were not. They always have been, always will be. They are the eternal ones. All things have come from, uh, from them. Spoken word of God in John chapter one, it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and he made all things by his spoken word, including Satan and his angels. It's good to know that Satan is created. He's not omnipotent. He's not all powerful. He is not all knowing. He's created by God. In Ezekiel 20, 12, it says that he was the model of perfection. He was the epitome of all of God's creation. There was nothing that God had made that was more spectacular than this angel. He was the covering cherub. He was the guardian cherub. You'll find that in verse 14. What that means is that as you look at the throne of God, and Job chapter one gives us a, a little hint of this. We don't fully understand it, but it talks about how the sons of God would come before the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they would give reports to wherever they were going. I, I don't know what they're all saying, but he says to Satan, he says, hey, have you noticed my servant Job? He says, yeah, I've noticed him. And he has a conversation about him. Well, prior to this point in time, he was the covering cherub. He would hear of all these reports and things that were coming in from all the other angels, and they were, he was aware of their worship and their praise of the, the incredible glory of God. And, and he looked at himself and he says, I should be in on this too. Uh, right up here, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the first thing that they see before they see the Father, Son. I should be worshiped too. I am the most beautiful thing that God has made. I deserve, all, I deserve worship and praise as well. And a third of the angels agreed with him. He was on the holy mount of God, is what verse 14 says. So what happened? We read about it just a little bit. It says his heart was filled with pride. And this is where you get in Isaiah 14, 13 through 15. We're not gonna turn to there, but there's five things that Satan said in his heart. You'll see this really clearly when you look up Isaiah 14. Satan says, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne. I will sit on the mount of the assembly. I will ascend above the heights of heaven, being right where God is at, and I will make myself like the most high. And what he is saying, I should be worshiped too. And a third of the angels said, yeah, we agree with you. You should be worshiped. You should be in a higher place. You should be right up there with the Father as an example of all his creation. And not only should they praise the Father and the Son, but they should praise you too. And with that pride in the heart is a result of his losing his place in heaven and being cast down. Now interestingly, he is still has limited access to the presence of God. You see that in Job chapter one and chapter two and in Revelation chapter 12. I don't understand it, that's what the word says. He has access into the presence of God. You know what he does while he's there? You'll find this in Revelation chapter 12. What does he do? Day and night, what does he do? He accuses us before the Father day and night. You could take Job 1 and put your name in it. It's almost as though the Lord says, he sees Satan coming up and he says, hey, have you noticed 
Ben? Notice Lonnie? Hey, what'd you think? And what comes out of his mouth? Yeah, I've seen him. Let me tell you what I've seen. And he accuses us before the Father that we are not worthy of his protection and his love. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands because I hope there wouldn't be very many, but some of us, some, I say us, I've been in court with a friend. (laughs) And I I never want to go before a judge. But if you go before a judge, you will want a defense attorney. Don't try to be one of your own attorney, right? (laughs) They say that's foolish. You want someone who knows the law that will stand in the gap and defend you. And guess who we have? We have Jesus. Not only has he saved us and rescued us, but he is our defender night and day before the Father. And he says, Lord, he's one of us. Lonnie is covered under the blood of Christ. He has been washed clean and forgiven. These accusations, I paid the price for all of those things. And there's a wonderful promise in Revelation chapter 12. And it says he's, eventually he's going to be cast down, not cast down yet, but that's a day he's coming. And it says, and they overcame him by three things. Each of us need to have these three things. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Do you have the blood of the lamb? By the word of their testimony, it says, I belong to Jesus. And they did not regard their life more than death. Boy, when you take away every fear and you cast upon Jesus, what are you afraid of? And you can say, you can take it all away, take my life, whatever it is, I know I belong to him. Become like a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendo. King, you can throw us in the fire. I'm not afraid. My God is with me. He can deliver me or he could burn me up. It doesn't make any difference because I will not worship you. I will worship the one and true living God. When you take away those fears that you have, the enemy can't touch you. He can't do anything with you. That's a wonderful promise from the Lord. So just know that he has access. He has limited access before the Father. And today he is an enemy of the Lord in us. His intent is to defeat us, to discourage us, to hinder us, to slow us down, to be a ball and chain around us, to to cause us to be an ineffective for him. And it's his intent that what God has said is good, to turn it around and and to bring cursing upon it and hindering the work of God in our lives. So there's lots of different names that the enemy has. And this is all coming from scripture, lots of different names. His first name was called Star of the Morning. You find that in Isaiah 14, 12. In the Vulgate, the word is called Lucifer. That's where we get the word Lucifer. It comes from Latin word, meaning star of the morning. He's the bright and morning star in the morning. Uh, 53 times the word Satan is used. You'll find the word Satan is used both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. 18 times the Old Testament, 35 of the New Testament. The word Satan means adversary. All these words, all these names that you find in Scripture have significant meaning. And Satan means that he is our adversary. He stands against us. He's in every way he stands against us. And then the devil, the word devil, which we have heard a lot about, is used only in the New Testament 34 times. And the word devil means that he's a traitor. It's a good good name. The one who is a guardian cherub is a traitor. And he's an adversary. John 8, 44 says he's also the father of lies. The truth is not in him. There's no truth that's in him. He is a liar and he is the father of all lies. So all lies, if you have the habit of lying, it's the enemy that's at work in you. And you'll find this interesting. I'm not gonna go through all the names, but here's another one that you, that you need to know. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says that he masquerades as an angel of light. Isn't that interesting? Think about what that means. 
So we're coming into Halloween, right? And we'll see all sorts of pictures of Satan dressed up in red with real horns and a big tail and shiny teeth. That's not how he comes to you. If he came to you like that, you'd be running away. He comes to you as an angel of light. Looks good. Sounds good. Feels good. Must be good. Reminds me, how many of you are fishermen? Can I see your hands? All right, I'll speak to you guys. How many have watched people fish? <laughs> well, my favorite place to go at Bass Pro or, or Cabela's is I go into the fly fishing section. I'm, I'm a terrible fisherman, and I hardly fly fish a few times, but I love the creation that I see in that area. Go there, and you'll see incredible gifted people tie, tying what they call flies, lures that look just like a nymph, look just like a, uh, a bug that has just hatched or a mosquito. Why do they do that? Why do they make something look so much like the real thing? Because that's how you catch fish. You throw that line out, you jig it a little bit. You know what that fish is thinking? Oh, he must have gone to Cabela's. <laughs> no, he's going to say, wow, that's my lucky day. Man. How fortunate for me that this thing that just hatched is floating right in front of my face. <laughs> and if you're not a fly fisherman, go look at the little lures. And they're shiny and they're bright and they're attractive and they look just like a minnow. They swim like a minnow. Uh, I, I was salmon fishing with some of my friends and we put smelly on it and it smells like the minnow and boy, that salmon hits it just like that. It's an angel of light, that's what he does. And he knows what we want. He knows the desires of our heart. He knows our longings to be loved, to, to find success, to be able to get out of debt, or whatever those things are. He knows, he just looks through his little tackle box and says, oh, all right, I bet this will work today. And he throws that in the water, jiggles a little bit, and it looks good, and it smells good. In fact, Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 13, write that down, it's not gonna show up on the screen says, be careful. There's going to be a time where it seems like I'm silent and others are going to come and they're going to do some incredible things. But there's going to be one thing wrong. They're going to say, we need to chase after another God. I'm testing to see whether you really will hang on to me and keep my word with all of your heart. I'm testing you right now. I'm allowing you to be tested. Hang on to me. Cling to me. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Don't take that bait. His word is true. He's the father of lies. He masquerades as night. But let's look at his methods. His primary method is that he lies. He deceives. That's the idea of the fishing box, the lure. In fact, Revelation 12, 9 says he deceives the entire world. And we're going to look at his lies in just a little bit. He also, he blinds unbelievers and every one of us at one time were that way. If you are here today and you have responded to Christ, it's because the Lord did a miracle in your life and he removed the cataract so you could see Jesus in all of his glory. I spoke to a young man last night, he's brand new in Christ. And he says, just like the lights went on. How do you explain that other than the work of the Holy Spirit and helping a person to see and to receive the word? He tempts people to sin. You'll see that even Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter four. Judas was led astray by the enemy. 
He also plucks and he chokes out faith. That's what you see in the parable of the sower. The gospel is sown and it's being sown even here today. And there maybe there'll be some of you that say, nah, that's just not for me, that's crazy talk. That's the work of the enemy where he plucks out the gospel of God and nothing happens in a person's life. He also chokes it out. He loves, so if it's gonna grow, it's not gonna grow much. Put some heat on it, withers away or becomes in, in, unfruitful because of all the cares of the world that, that just chokes out life. That's the work of the enemy. And then we've already talked about his methods to accuse and condemn. He does that day and night. He wants to look at some of the lies of the enemy. And these will be good conversations for you to have at home. And on the back side of your sheet are good questions for you to interact with your children, your grandchildren, your husband, your wife. But here's, listen to some of these lies. You'll be familiar with some of these. These aren't in any particular order. Just as, as, I, as it came to me, everyone goes to heaven. That's a lie of the enemy. Oh, there's lots of different ways to go before the Father. I used to take people to Chicago and go to the Baha'i Temple that has all these doors, all the possibilities of going to heaven. That's a lie from the enemy. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father but through me. The enemy says, no, that's not true. That's not true. And he deceives the world, deceives you and me. And our friends and family that think that, that I'm good enough. I don't need a savior. Everyone goes to heaven. Number two, friendships don't matter. Anybody can be my friend. Wrong behavior comes from wrong thinking, wrong beliefs, and wrong, wrong standards. Strong friendships with those who do not know the Lord will take you down. Doesn't mean you can't have acquaintances, but be really careful how much time that you're spending in the activities that you're doing. Paul says that bad friendship corrupts good morals. That's not just for junior hires to hear. It's for us as adults, too. That passage was written, really, for other, other believers in Corneth. It says, guard yourself. You hang around with idol worshipers and prostitutes, man, you're going to be sucked right back into that again. If you've had to have it, and those of you who've been in CR, you know this, and you've, and you've been bound and enslaved by alcohol, you ought not to be in a bar, Right? You need to be real careful about the, the social parties you go to where alcohol is present, man. It'll suck you right back in again. I've known of individuals who have been trying to break the habit of smoking. You just can't have one more cigarette. It'll take you right back into that habit again. So you need to guard our relationships and our friendships. Another lie of the enemy is that devotion to Christ doesn't matter. You don't need to take his word seriously. Really? Just take what you want out of his word. Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven, he says, the one who hears my words and keeps them, he'll be like a man who builds his house on a solid rock so that when the storms come, he'll survive it. But the man who hears my words and just brushes it off, says, no, that one's not for me. He'll be like a man who builds his house on the sand. And when the storms of life come and they will come, that house will not stand, will not survive. Devotion to Christ does matter. It says, if I love the world and the things that are in the world, the love of the Father is not in me. That is true. If I put my infections upon the world, I will hinder the Holy Spirit's work into my life. Here's another lie. You'll like this one. Follow your heart. Y'all heard that one? Man, it is on every TV show and every movie. The enemy would love for you to follow your heart. There are so many things that affect your heart. The emotions the desires we have are all God-given desires. 
And the enemy loves to have ways that we take shortcuts in God's plan for our life. That in the, those that you're in dating relationships, he's such a nice guy. I know he's not a Christian. And I know, you know, and maybe, he, maybe at 16, you know, he raised his hand, but church isn't for him. But he's such a nice guy. That's a trap from the enemy. She's such a beautiful woman, but she didn't have time for Jesus. But you know what? I think I can evangelize her and make it work. It's a lie from the enemy. And many of you have been through that, and you know that. His, his word, without exception, it's true. And it's there for our benefit. It's there that we would not become ensnared. He wants us to be unshackled, not to have the scars and wounds of life. He wants to protect us from these things. And so one of the best advice my mother gave me when I was 16 coming home from the date is, is found in Proverbs chapter four. It says, guard your heart for out of it flows the very essence of your life. And she said, Lonnie, don't, don't trade a moment's of pleasure for a lifetime of pain. Guard your heart. Never forgotten that. Forgotten a lot of other stuff she's told me, not that one. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. Next one, what can it hurt? And if any of you are really sharp Bible students, you'll know that there's no book called Josiah. <laughs> I was thinking about my son when I was writing this. It's Joshua chapter seven. Please correct that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just noticed it last night when I was preaching. That, oh my goodness, where, no one's gonna find Josiah. He's up in Washington if you wanna look for him. But this is a great story. In the first, when the Israelites crossed into the promised land, they crossed the Jordan River, the first city that they conquered was Jericho. They're going to march around it and the walls are going to come down. You know that story? And God said, don't take anything. This city is mine. It's, it's like tithing. The first, of it, the first of what you get is mine. It's holy before the Lord. Just let it, let it lay, burn it up. It's mine. And Achan was a soldier. And he looked at all of this stuff. I can just see it just being piled up. And he said, what's a little bit of gold and a little bit of silver going to hurt? Who is going to miss it? He takes a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver. He thought it's just a little bit. What can it hurt? It resulted in the death of his entire family. And so, what's a, what's a little bit of this going to hurt? What's a little bit of that's going to hurt? It's just a little thing. And I have something written in my Bible. I encourage you to write it in yours. Listen very carefully. It says, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than what you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Think about that. Isn't that true? Sin will take you further than you'll want to go. It will cost you more than you'll want to pay. And it'll keep you longer than you'll want to stay. Now take that word sin out and just draw a blank line. Drinking. Habit of drinking will take you further than where you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It will cost you more than you want to pay. I had a guy come up to me last night. He's 18 years sober. He said, I learned that the hard way. Because it took me to jail and I was there longer than I wanted to. It put me in handcuffs. I didn't want to be that way. And God, in a wonderful work, has set him free for over 18 years. Amen. Put in drugs. Drugs will take you to places where you don't want to go. It'll keep you there longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. Flirting. Just go through the list. Gossiping. Slander. Laziness. 
Just, just think of all the th- ways that the enemy tempts us and just put it, that word in the place of that sin, rebelliousness. And isn't that true? That's God's warning to us. And he says, he who has here has led him here. He, he's sharing these things with us because he loves us. The last one here is God doesn't care about me. That's a lie from the enemy. I like the passage in Isaiah chapter four. He says, don't you know that the everlasting God never sleeps, he never slumbers, and those who wait upon him will find new strength. They will, they will walk and not grow weary, and they will run and not faint. The everlasting God knows you. He loves you. He has a plan for you, is what Jeremiah says. I know the plans I have for you, not for calamity, but for future and hope. If you ever think that God doesn't love you, that's not the Holy Spirit speaking. That's the enemy trying to blind you and ensnare you. That my prayers don't matter. That's a lie from the enemy. I'm all alone. That is a lie from the enemy. So here's some biblical truths to rest upon. One is that God is sovereign over all. Isn't that good news? To know that he holds us in his arms and he won't let us go. He'll never let us go. He'll never leave us. He'll never desert us. He is sovereign over all. He's also, Satan is on a leash. That's good to know. It's good to know that the enemy submits to the spoken word of God. And if we do what the Lord says, we can resist him and we can flee from him. Even though he's a prowling lion, we do not need to be afraid because the Lord is with us always. It's good to know that there's a day of judgment that's coming. The enemy knows it. He knows that it's coming. He is fearful of that time because it is everlasting. It will never, ever stop. There will not be a second chance at the day of judgment. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And they will recognize that. And hell is the exact opposite of heaven. Heaven is beautiful. Hell is not. Heaven is full of light. Hell is not. Heaven is full of joy. Hell is not. That's why we need a Savior. Lord does not want us to perish, but to have everlasting life. And he demonstrated his great love for us that while the Lord, that while we were sinners, while we were the furthest away from him, while we were stuck in our sin, Christ died for us that we would be free. And you could be free today. Because our God is forgiving. I love 1 John 1, 8, 9, because folks, we will not walk perfectly. We, we ought not to be careless in our walk, but we need to recognize that we will stumble and fall. It's a long race. And the Lord said that if we sin, if we confess our sin, if we acknowledge it, and that's one of the first steps in CR, is to own up to it, to recognize that, God, you are right, I am wrong. That if I were to just be truthful with God, if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just, will forgive me of my sins. He'll cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And then just keep on reading, because in chapter two, it says, and if we do sin, we have an, uh, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one who stands in the gap and says, hey, I'm covered under his blood. Isn't that good Man. news? Man. Wonderful. That, that ought to be underlined and highlighted in every one of our Bibles. And lastly, and this is good to know, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Folks, that is good news. So when you have that condemning spirit in your head, that condemning voice, no, that's not from the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8.1 is strategically placed because just the verses before it is this passage of Romans 7. It says the things I want to do, I don't do. And then the things I know I shouldn't do, I do anyway. You ever feel that way? 
what a wretched man that I am, and it moves right into Romans 8.1, but therefore, now, there's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. Praise God, praise God. Isn't that good news? I want to end with this quote here. The fundamental deception of Satan is the lie that obedience to Christ can never bring happiness. Think about that. Obedience to Christ, that's the lie. Because obedience to Christ does bring happiness. It brings eternal joy. It brings freedom from shame and guilt if we follow and obey him. And Satan's deception is no, it won't. The Lord loves me. And because he loves me, he warns us. He does not want us to be trapped, bound, and blinded by sin. He wants us to be free. And so here's this verse I'm gonna close with. And it's good to be reminded that in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing, including Satan, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good stuff, isn't it? Good stuff. The Lord is with us where we go. He'll be with you wherever you go. And folks, we do have people that love the Lord and love you. And would love to support you and pray for you and encourage you today right through the altar. I'm gonna be in the Welcome Center. Would love to shake your hand if you're visiting us here today. And if you've been here 20 times, I'd love to shake your hand and meet with you too. We're gonna close in prayer and Brandon's gonna lead us in a closing song. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Thank you, Father, for your promises and your word. So grateful, Lord, that we have your word. So grateful that it's true and we can stand upon it. Lord, I pray you would break every chain that's here today. For everyone who has lost, that they would be found today. That those, Lord, who are distressed would find peace with you today. That, Lord, those who are not connected would find that they would link their arms with the body of Christ today. And, Lord, in all of us, that we look up and see you as our wonderful shepherd of our lives. And you being our shepherd, we have everything that we need. You're with us even in the valley of the shadow of death. Don't walk away from us. You take us through it. By your grace and by your strength, by your power and your love. And we give you praise and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.